Amen. Thank you very much. Okay. Good morning. Um, let's just uh, turn to the Bible, to Matthew chapter 13, and read some scriptures. Are you ready to listen to the word of the Lord? Yes. Okay, that's, that's great. Front row stuff here. <laughs> Good. Let's read Matthew 13. I read from verse 1. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into the boat and he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds and as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on the footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon withered under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60 and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later on, Jesus explains his words to his disciples and he says this. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as has, had been planted. This is the word of the Lord. I like this little liturgy that we have that we say this is the word of the Lord because I think it's important that we reminded who's talking to us, you know. It's not just another book, another story that we read. And uh, so it's quite vital that we listen to what the God, the creator of this universe, has to say to us, his people. And you might wonder why I'm sort of walking around in, in this climbing harness. It's not because I'm fearing of falling over, even though that might happen. But I don't know how many of you here had a hobby once. Anyone? Or even has a hobby now? Yeah, quite a few people. Now, it's, uh, I know it's something that's probably more prone to, to the men 
of humanity, um, which uh, is to buy the right kit for the hobby, you know? <laughs> you like to be equipped with the right gear. Do you like to do that? Come on, guys, be honest. <laughs> so if you go into your garage, how much kit is in there that you don't use that regularly? Let's, let's say. So, I mean, even, have you ever bought one of those uh, so bikes, indoor bikes that you train on? Personal trainers or whatever they're called? No, a personal trainer is something else, I, I think. It's, it's, you know. uh, anyway, whatever. Sort of machines, like rowing machines or, you know, bars that you pull up on or, you know, they're usually good for the first week and then something goes wrong, usually with the person using them. <laughs> but but uh, there is something about good equipment and I love good tools and good things, you know. And so my children like going climbing and my... Uh, Specifically, my eldest son likes to challenge me when I climb. And he tells me to go the more difficult routes. And my wife encourages me to, to always stretch myself. And I always think, why do I always have to try the stuff that I cannot do? Anyway, but you see, it's always good to be equipped and to be ready. And, but just think how weird it would be if I would turn up in church like this. Why would that be weird? <laughs> The context isn't quite right, is it? I mean, it's a hall as well, um, like other climbing gyms, and it's got some holes I could use. <laughs> but, but maybe the place is not the right place to, to do it in. But yet, you know, just imagine I've, I've been one of those people, just imagine, I'm not, of course, but just imagine I would be one of those people who love to enter into a hobby and buys all the right kit but never goes climbing. I even buy the climbing magazine. And, you know, I'm always ready to, to hook up somewhere, you know, and, and just be, be ready to, to throw a line to someone and just to be led up. If I studied verticology, the talk about the vertical space, if I'd be really good and had a master's degree in verticology and could talk you through all the ascents that anyone had done, but would never embark on a journey myself, something would be wrong you might even suggest I would see someone else. <laughs> Maybe the pastor. <laughs> I don't know. So, this parable, this story, talks a lot about a certain substance that is being sown into people's hearts. And that seed, as we can read in Luke, who's also noting down the same parable, is the Word of God. So Luke notes down, the seed that is scattered into our hearts is the word of God. And what is this seed producing in our hearts? It produces a certain thing which is called faith. And what is faith? Now, the book of Hebrews uh, gives us some insight um, what faith actually means. If I could find, the Hebrews is really hard to find. Did you know that? It's always hiding in my Bible, but then when I find it, oh, there it is. Um, so in Hebrews 11, 1, the writer says, Faith is the confidence that we, uh, what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. 
There's this funny thing about faith because it's a thing that grows within you and you can trust in it and you can walk in it and by walking in it, it grows and you get firmer in the trust towards God. And what it produces is that in whatever circumstance you find yourself, you will find yourself connected to God who would give you grace to be in that situation and walk through it. And Jesus talks here about this seed that's being sown into our hearts. It's a seed of faith. And I want to talk to you today about being deeply rooted in that faith. Because it's important that we put down roots into that faith, that we grow in that faith. And that if we don't actually are encouraged to grow in faith, if we don't put ourselves into situations where we have to learn to trust, and believe me, whenever my son sends me up a difficult route, I have to learn to trust that he actually catches me when I fall, that he does the right things with the rope, you know, that he's you know, put me in the right position. I have to grow in faith that I will not die. My wife laughs. <laughs> it's true, though. Anyway, so if we want to be fruitful as followers of Jesus, we need to be mindful of what can lead us astray from that faith. And Jesus picks that up so well in this parable. But before we look at this text any further, I'm always interested in, when I'm being given a reading, what have I actually left out of that reading? Because, of course, the parable is interrupted with something else there. And what have we not read? And what we haven't read is this. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? Good question, especially after so many sermons on parables. Why does Jesus actually talk in parables? And he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Wow, that doesn't sound like inclusive language to me. <laughs> you know, what is Jesus saying here? Is he trying to have the in crowd and the out crowd? Let's explore that a little further. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That is why I use these parables. That sounds a bit unfair, doesn't it? It sounds a bit like... The rich get more and the poor get less and whatever they have gets taken away from them. Is that really what God is saying? What does Jesus mean here? And then Jesus goes on to say, for they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. And when you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because you, they see, and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. And then he goes into explaining the parable. You see, followers of Jesus are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom because disciples, they connect to God and they agree with him. Disciples, that's really the, the definition of discipleship, is to be in touch with God and to start to learn to agree with what he says. 
And when you do that, you grow as a follower of Christ. And you become like Christ. Christ-likeness becomes your mark. Discipleship is the only form as which to faith, in which faith can exist. This is a clever guy called Schweitzer who said that, actually. Discipleship is the only form in which faith can exist. You can't have faith and not follow Jesus. It doesn't work. So following Jesus and being connected to him and agreeing with him is all one package. And so Jesus says to them, you are permitted to hear the secrets of the kingdom because you positioned yourself to actually grow in faith. You, you started to follow me and you, you started to receive from me the grace that comes by walking through life with me. They are the people who trust in the Lord with all their heart, who do not lean on their own understanding. They seek his will in all they do, and he will show them which path to take. They are not impressed with their own wisdom. Instead, they fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I've just built in there Proverbs 3, verse 5 and following. They are people who trust in the Lord with all their heart, and they lean not on their own understanding. Mike, if you could help me a second, please. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I know you had to because you're employed to. <laughs> so anyway, um, so if, if I lean on you, can I lean on you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I, okay. <laughs> I lean on him. Now, if Mike would move, which I hope he doesn't, I would take a plunge. <laughs> yes. So thank you very much. That was very well done. But... The thing is, if you lean not onto your own understanding, but onto what God is saying to you on his word, that means that you position yourself in a position where if that fails, you fall flat. And something will be pulled under your feet. Same when you go climbing. If, if you hook up to, to someone who belays you, then if that person walks away to go into the cafe and have a cup of coffee, you, you will eventually be too weak to hold yourself and fall down. That is the problem. So to lean onto something is something we as human beings know how to do. And we devise all sorts of things that we like to lean on in order for, uh, to make our life bearable. And I'm sure we're going to hear more about that. So the disciples have the right heart condition in order to receive insight because seeing comes through being with the one who gives sight. You see? The gospel is full of this talk about seeing and eyes being open. This is why Jesus loved healing the deaf and healing the blind, because that was more than just healing for one person. It was speaking about the kingdom of God and the way that God wants us to see in new ways. He wants us to be awake to his reality. So what happens when people hear the word of God and are cynical in their hearts? If their heart is hardened in any way, it usually makes them even more opposed to the truth. Second Corinthians talks about this, where Paul says, you know, we are the aroma of Christ, like a perfume, you know, that goes around. And to those who are saved, it's a good smell. But to those who, get, who are lost, who are on the way away from God, who walk away from God, whose hearts are hardened, it's a stench. This is the language Paul uses here. So there is something, there's a dynamic at work. Somebody who is not teachable will not change direction when going wrong and is in great danger. And this is why Jesus calls people everywhere to repent and to rethink, to see things the way God sees them. 
It's not just to play a game. It takes a change of mind, a renewal of the mind. Paul talks about, do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's Romans 2 for you. So Jesus says to his disciples, blessed are your eyes because they started to see. You started to follow me. You walk with me. You lean on me. But the ones that do not do that, they, if, if I would reveal to them even more truth, that would harden their hearts even further. So Jesus is protecting those other people from getting even into more trouble by knowing stuff that they do not put their trust in. You know, it's almost better to not show them too much at this stage. So there we go. So are you ready to see and follow Jesus? Are you ready to hear the Lord? Now listen, says Jesus, now listen to the word of the Lord. So this word is sown into the hearts of people and each heart can foster either adverse conditions for the word of God or favorable conditions and I want to look at the two of them. So adverse conditions for growing faith. Jesus gives us three adverse conditions for growing faith. And then one condition for growth to happen. So it's quite easy, really. Number one represents you know, seed falling on the footpath. Now, a footpath is a well-trodden piece of earth. You know, when you walk through life, and you tread down always the same path, that thing gets really hard, and new things can't grow because people always walk or drive over it. And if you sow a seed on it, it cannot even go into the ground. And the, you see, the seed on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. And I was wondering, well, God, is it an intellectual exercise, actually, that you're asking us to be clever people, learned people, in order to understand and grow in faith? Is that what you're saying here? Why are those who do not understand in, in a disadvantage over those who do understand? But if you look further into the word that is being used there, it's actually those who put things together in the right order and way. You know those paint-by-numbers pictures? Now, if you don't have the key to the numbers and know that number two represents blue or you know, red or orange, that picture will look rather weird once you've finished. You know, you have to have the manual with it in order to paint the numbers right. And this word understand means you have to join up the dots. You have to understand how to put it together. And this is not something just for clever people. This is for those who are listening who are open, who are not too proud to look in the manual, if you know what I'm saying, you know? There's something about, um, you know, oh yes, I've, I've built together this IKEA furniture for many years, you know, forget the manual, and then you start screwing and doing and stuff, and suddenly you've got a pile of tools and, and screws left over, and you wonder where they should have gone. <laughs> and this is about understanding, about joining up the dots. It has rather to do with the firmly trodden paths in life where the independent thinking has made the once receptive soil of the heart cynical and hard. It is a proud heart that relies on its own wisdom. 
It is humanity thinking for itself. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. There's always a way that seems right. But why not look into your manual and check over what God is saying to you? And then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. You know, it's a spiritual battle. There is actually the evil one out there who loves to snatch stuff away. And that's why we need to be careful how we engage with this word of God. Paul writes, if the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. See, there is a battle. There is Satan who snatches away, who is causing those who, who maybe have something sown into their lives to walk not in faith. And secondly, the seed on the rocky soil is received immediately with joy, but the word of God does not have deep roots in their hearts because the soil is rocky. Something hinders the roots to go down, and the word of God needs the right conditions. Rocky soil has, has, um, has something in it that stops the root from going deep. The rocks in the story here seem to be related to problems and persecution, both. Jesus mentioned, mentioned both. To the way someone reacts to life circumstances or to people. Now, if you wake up in the morning in the hope that others make your day good, you might be miserable by the time you get to work only because your spouse or your neighbor has not treated you the way you expected to be treated. Do you know that problem? <laughs> You know, do people make your day and your life miserable? Have they got that power? Did you know that a disciple is being called into discipleship on a journey to die to himself, to deny himself or herself? Him or her, politically correct. Now, if that's the call of discipleship, then surely God is not just setting us free from ourselves, but also from others. You know how others treat you will not make your day miserable because God still smiles on you. And that's the thing that counts. And there's, of course, fear. You know what fear means? If you take every letter, F-E-A-R, the false expectations appearing real, you've probably heard that before, can be another rocky soil. What will people think of me? What will people think when they see deeper into my heart? Such an environment is adverse to faith. And third, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. This one is an interesting one. Because, you see, the, the, the soil under the thorns is very, very fruitful. It's a soft and palatable soil. Otherwise, all this thorny stuff wouldn't sprout so well. You know, something is growing there. It's not like it's a d deserted space. This is a palatable, soft heart. Something is growing there. So much so that all sorts of stuff has taken root. It's a soft heart, but it has not been cleared of the thorns of idolatry. 
This heart has faith in wealth and seeks protection in the model of the self-made person who can sing at the end of their lives, I did it my way. Such a heart constantly frets and worries because it leans on its own resources. It doesn't lean on Jesus. It leans on my own ability to make my life. But those resources are in constant dangers of being insufficient, if you think about it. You might lose your job, you might lose your income. Suddenly, the money might not be worth much anymore because there's inflation. There might be disasters completely out of our control. And suddenly, you stand there and think, what can I lean on now? Trust in the one who provides gets suffocated by the worries of the person who has no, not learned to receive. Such a person will always try to grab life, to grasp rather than to receive. And Jesus is inviting his disciples to learn and relearn living. He says, you have been made as people who receive. You receive your life from God, and so your daily bread comes from whom? God, and therefore you pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread. Why do I pray? Because I receive. And when I receive, I thank. And faith leads me to the one I can direct my thanks to. Okay, those were the three conditions that hinder growth in faith. Now, what helps us to root our faith? The seed that fell on good soil. You know, back in the day, back in the day, seed was sown and then the plow came and moved the ground in order to receive that seed into the ground. Quite a tumultuous process as the soil of the heart is being turned over and the seed is being worked into the ground. Nothing stays the same. Be aware that when you follow Jesus, it is normal that you go through this tumultuous time, that life doesn't go like a straight line. If you look at the monitor of a heart rate, it isn't a straight line. If it is, something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, death cometh unexpectedly. Um, so if there's a straight line, call the nurse, or better, the doctor. But if there is a line and an up and a down and, you know, how it goes, then that is life. And Jesus told us that he came to give us life in abundance. <laughs> that means there's a lot of tumultuous times, a lot of... Stuff where you have to be stretched in faith and where things aren't going smooth and where you, know, you don't even know whether you're coming or going. It's, it's, it's tough sometimes. So truly to hear, to hear what Jesus is saying, to hear the word, to receive it, includes that the word is being obeyed. To listen, you only have listened when you started to walk in it and obey it. If you only listen, then you become like a person that just wears the security belt, but never actually goes to a wall or a mountain and has actually a challenge of faith. Will not happen. So it's important to obey. But for someone, um, for, for someone proves to be a true hearer by doing what was required. And according to Batu, Christian obedience consists less in submission than in resemblance. It is less virtue than a gift. You see, to obey Jesus becomes something 
that makes me look like him. It's more about being like Christ. It's like Jesus resembling the Father to his people. He says, I only do what I hear the Father do. I only uh, speak what I hear him say. I mean, and I only do what I see him do. Now, he's resembling him. I'm not sure whether Jesus meant that he woke up every morning saying, just show me whether I should lift my spoon now to my mouth, you know, just in order so that I can copy you in order to represent you right. No, I think it was much more of this understanding of who this father is and then taking that and resembling it to the people and being a window into the heart of God to anyone who followed him. So understanding, it, to, to truly hear, it means to obey. You know, for God, for it is God who is at work within you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure much like the seed that carries all the DNA for fruitfulness within. Now, understood here means that the person has joined up the dots by receiving revelation from God, by refusing to lean on one's own understanding, and this includes constant clinging to the Father and trusting in his provision. I remember after arriving in England with my family, we tried to kind of find our way find a house, find a job, find all these things, you know. And there was a whole period of time where I just couldn't find a job. And I, I, don't, I didn't know what to do. And I remember being uh, at a church in London, and uh, I'd, I'd been talking there to some people about some possibilities, and, you know, like you do, you just go around and, and talk with people. And I was sitting there, and, and suddenly at the reception, I was just waiting to be to be talked to by someone. And at the reception, there was a, the worship leader of the church, and he looked at me and he said, I've got a word for you. He didn't know me, I didn't know him, but he had a word for me. And he came over and he said, the time of waiting is nearly over. And I thought, oh, I received that. That's great, you know. <laughs> Something's just around the corner. This hard kind of faith work of being in, in a position of insecurity where you don't know how it's leading on and you know, where to go is nearly over. And, you know, I walked away from that day. Things didn't come up in this church, and, it, you know, I still didn't know where I was going. And then I thought, two months down the road, I thought, it's just around the corner. Lord, what's happening? <laughs> Silence. <laughs> so, straight, faith walking, continuous. And I don't know, I can't remember how, exactly how many months it took until I knew my next step that God was taking me on, but it took quite a long time. And I was thinking, Lord, you know, when you say to me, it's just around the corner, I know it might be another year or so. <laughs> you know, your corners are just bigger than, than my corners. <laughs> I don't know. And, and there's something about faith that, you know, God... I mean, you know, he's created time. You know, we created watches. He's got the time. It's, it's one of those things that he stretches you and waits and lets you learn and hang on the wall a little longer because it makes your faith muscles grow and it takes time. So don't give up in these situations, but just understand that your roots are going down into the soil and grabbing and holding on. So this includes constant clinging to the Father by trusting in his provision, goodness and kindness. So, the good soil, of course, includes, I repeat, that we truly hear, that we truly understand, and, of course, that we're producing a harvest. 
That's what Jesus is talking about here. And Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plenty harvest of new lives. Those who live their life in, in this world will lose it. And those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. The seed of the word of God will produce Christ-likeness, which in turn will produce a harvest because it is godly DNA inside it. Every word of God has got something inside it that will produce if it's received and if it's received by this palpable heart. And God wants to set you free from yourself and from others so that you will, you will only rely on God who raises the dead. The confidence shall only be in Jesus Christ alone. That's the goal, that you completely lean on him that your confidence is him because he raises you from the dead. That's the hope we have, you see. The story didn't end on Good Friday. Sunday was around the corner and Jesus was raised from the dead. And that means that fear of death has got nothing and no room in the heart of faith. We are free from that stuff. That's what Jesus came to set us free from. For there's no salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul obviously had heard that um, was receptive. Sorry. The Apostle Paul obviously had a heart that was receptive to the Word of God. His reaction to life's challenges proves it. Now, here's something he wrote. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. Can somebody please recognize life in these sentences? Circumstances are always there and will always come to overwhelm. And often beyond the ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. Anyone can relate to that? Challenges often are that stark and crass. But then he writes, in fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. You see, once you've made that faith connection that God actually holds, that this rope is actually strong enough, that God is there to keep you and hold you and strengthen you in your faith, then you can say, oh, the next time I go through this process, I have already experienced that God is faithful and true, and your faith gets settled and stronger even more. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. This is Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 10. So, I'm at the end of my lesson, but you know, it's quite incredible if you look at somebody like Paul, he's not one of those people that just never had anything bad happen to him, quite the contrary. And to come up with this statement that all of this culminates in this amazing kind of reality of faith 
where he's learning to lean and rely not on himself, but only on God who raises the dead, then I think we've got a chance, don't we, in our life? So if next week throws some things at you, just see it as a process of learning to rely only on God who raises the dead, okay? Only on God who raises the dead. There's life afterwards. There's life when you press through. There's life waiting for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are so kind towards us that you have actually left us with your word to study and read and to apply and to let it speak louder to us than any social media feed or any news station or any other philosophy that is hanging around this planet. Lord, I thank you that this is wisdom from God and not wisdom from man. And I thank you, Father, that you have created us to be people of faith. And we know that whether we believe in you or not, we have to believe in something. Otherwise, we'll be driven to despair. And God, I pray that you will help us as we received your word this morning to grow in faith and to put our roots deep I just want you to think about uh, a few questions now, if you will. Just the question, Holy Spirit, what are you highlighting to me this morning? Maybe you can pray that quietly in your heart. What must I do that requires me to take a step of faith so that I learn to trust God more today. You know how quickly your muscles disappear when you not train them? It's frustrating, I know. But it's the same with faith. So ask God, what step of faith have you got for me today to grow in it? Where do I need to stop to rely on myself? Have I learned to rely only on God who raises the dead? And what might that look like? Now as you think about these things, I would love to invite you to receive prayer as well. There'll be people here in the corner over here and over here, he'll be ready to pray for you if you say, oh, I'd, I'd love to bring something to Jesus, maybe a faith challenge, maybe something where God is calling me to step out of the boat onto the water and to walk on a substance that I don't normally walk on. He's calling me to new faith. And maybe somebody else can pray with you and pray for you.
maybe you just want to be refreshed and filled with the Holy Spirit this morning, you're welcome to come forward for prayer as well. Why do we pray for one another? It's a simple reason. It's the way God works. He loves to use his body, you know, and think of it. Jesus' body, you know, even if you're praying, you're putting two hands together, one here and one there. And if you ask for somebody else to pray, it's like Jesus' body coming together to pray and something will happen. So you're welcome to take advantage of that this morning. And maybe Joy can lead us in some more worship while we do. Thank you. Yeah, it's just a bit contemplating.